0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources.
1: Uh, we've got really high standards about how we want to play. And so when we don't meet them, uh, we're pissed about it. And uh, you know, like we want that ass kicking performance start to finish first quarter through the fourth and however long we need to go. So Um, that's what I like for us to make sure we're focusing on as we're going through it. But, uh, just wanted to share that with you as we're getting going, because we got really high standards and, uh, I know we can reach them. And so when we don't meet them, you know, it, it makes you mad. Hey, Cowboys Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Writer's Block podcast. I am part one of part two co-host Brandon Laurie alongside me we have the lovely Ms. Jess Navarez and also we do have a special guest this week Uh, I met him through connecting with him on LinkedIn he actually appeared on the Mina Kimes podcast and that's where I first heard him I knew this guy knows his stuff about football it's JP Acosta who is the NFL writer for SB Nation former writer for football outsiders JP it's always great to talk to you and uh, get you to talk about Cowboys Thanks for having me on guys. I'm excited. So give us a brief intro, like let people know about who you are, where you started in your journalism career. Talk about where you've come from and what you're doing right now for SB Nation.
2: Awesome. No problem. So I always grew up a football fan. I grew up playing high school football. I was always interested in film. I'd always be drawing football plays in my notebook instead of paying attention in class. So in undergrad, I decided to be a multimedia studies major, focused on journalism. And once I got done there, I was like, ah, I need something to do. And then Medill kind of called and said, hey, you should apply to our grad program. And I'm like, all right, sure. Let's see what happens. So went to Medill. Um, While I was at Medill, I started working at Football Outsiders, where basically I was writing about film. I was writing about data. And from there, after I finished up at Medill, I got a job at SB Nation, where I talk about not only just football, but everything. I've talked about World Cup kits. I've talked about plants holding machetes. I've written about nuclear reactors. It's, It's been a little bit of everything, but primarily football.
1: And you have your weekly column called Establish the Fun, which I, I encourage everybody to go and read. And talk about how you created that name and where that goes and what you talk about in that column.
2: So Establish the Fun kind of comes from a manic 2 a.m. writing session where I was trying to get done, and I was like, okay, I need a title for this. I need something that'll work. And I was just like, Establish the Fun. And, uh, and I was like, okay, let me see if this works. Let me see if people have written about it already. Let me Google it real quick, see if anybody else had it, ty- had it typed out. Nobody else did, and I was like, all right, cool, I'm going to run with this, because football is fun, and I like talking about fun things in football. So It kind of works. It kind of works.
3: JP, what I really love here is how your brain never stops working in terms of sports. And it seems like you just have such a well rounded perception when it comes to working just in in broadcast and in journalism in general. So, what Brandon and I really like to promote on here is, you know, the empowerment to people that may not feel like, you know, they, they have a shot at making something that they love and they're passionate about a career. So what is your best advice to anybody listening that maybe has that itch to get into sports or, uh, you know, what is, what is your advice for, for someone maybe taking even the road less traveled on?
2: So I think the advice that I would give is find what you're passionate about, find what makes you unique, find your voice, and then go all in on that. So for me, I'm a huge nerd. I watch anime. I like Disney. I draw in a bunch of anime references in my writing. I've written about, um, I've compared Pokemon to uh, NFL players. So just find what makes you, you find your voice. And once you find that, go all in on it because then you'll be passionate about your work. You'll see what people are writing about. You'll, You'll see how much passion you have for your writing when you actually enjoy doing it. Like I've spent so much time just writing out like stories where I'm just like, oh, this is really fun. I like comparing these two things. And it just comes across as so much fun for people to read because then people will not only get to see, oh, you know, Ball or something like that. Or it's like, yeah, this, this dude seems pretty cool to hang out with. So find what you're passionate about, find what makes you unique, and then go all in on making that voice heard.
3: So what I'm hearing is there's a fellow a Disney adult on this podcast. I can appreciate a good Disney adult. I'm one myself, so no hate to Disney adults on this podcast. This a this is a Disney adult stand podcast. We love Disney adults here. Always exactly
2: pro Disney adult here. I've I've been to Disney more times than I can count. I've watched almost every Disney movie. I think if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see I do Disney tier lists almost like every other week. So it's it's always been something that I've tried to enjoy.
3: You know what we all have our things I, I think uh jp we are officially best friends you love football you love disney the only third box here is uh taylor swift if you're a taylor swift fan we are like solidified best friends for life i'm, I'm just throwing that out there you don't have to answer if the answer is no because you're on a really good track right now
2: can i can i plead the fifth on that <laughs> can i I am gonna plead the fifth and we'll, we'll stick we'll stick to two out of three
3: we love that we love that now well Brandon and I were really excited to get you on here Brandon like I had mentioned you know before we started recording had talked so highly of you uh, with your career and all of your accolades and accomplishments that you've had so far so with you know your career and you being so young you have to still have a favorite memory and a favorite story can you tell us what that is and why that's your favorite
2: so my favorite memory your favorite story um so Medillac's Medill does this thing called Medill Explorers where basically in the middle of winter in February when it's cold, and when it's snowing in Chicago, they're like, hey, uh, you guys go out across country, report on something. And this past year, I was able to go to Radio Row. I was able to go to the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, cover the Super Bowl, cover all these other things. It was, it was really cool. I was able to go to SoFi Stadium, watch the game from the press box. I did reporting while I was out there. I think my favorite moment was probably we went to the Riviera country club for a golf tournament and tiger woods was there. He was one hosting the golf tournament. So I was able to do a story about tiger woods and tiger woods was there in person. I'm just sitting there like, wow, that's, that's really tiger woods right there. This is kind of crazy. Like that entire week was just me going, Hey, I know that guy or, Hey, I saw that guy play. Like I went, I saw, Aaron Donald in person during the press box and post game. And I was like, huh, this is really cool. I, I think I can do this a lot. I think I should do this a lot more often.
1: Uh, and those are awesome memories. And I have to say, when, when we talked the last time, JP, everybody out there who's listening who wants to be a journalist, listen to what he says because I took our conversation to heart. And actually, you inspired me to create my new weekly column for uh, Blogging the Boys, which is things my parents says. Basically, my dad loves to rant during a Cowboys game, and I our dialogue can be very intense sometimes, and I have to correct him, and, and I have to affirm what he says. So you inspired me to do that. So please, listen to what he says. Anybody out there that wants to be creative, Creative. J.P. knows exactly what to do, and please go and read his work. And uh, like like we mentioned, I mean, you know, the Cowboys, first and foremost, that's what we got to talk about. And unfortunately, they got their second loss of the season. They lose to the Eagles in Philadelphia, 26-17. to JP, I know you were live tweeting during the game. I will start with you since you are our esteemed guest. What is your initial reaction coming out of the Cowboys' loss to the Philadelphia Eagles? Now, and you could talk about the Eagles a little bit. We won't won't hold that against you. But again, we are Cowboys first and foremost. So get your initial reactions. Kind of maybe ease the fans' uh, worries a little bit.
2: The Cowboys are a lot better than I thought they would be at this point in the season. The Eagles are by far and away one of the three best teams in football and the first half it looked like it it looked like they were playing a different sport than the cowboys but then they came out and made adjustments their second half dvoa their second half epa on offense all went down for the eagles and that's just really good coaching dan quinn i I have not been admittedly very high on dan quinn in the past i thought he was kind of overrated last year But this year, he has shut me up. I need that little Dan Quinn apology form. I'll fill it out immediately. I'll sign my name, be like, hey, he got me. I'm I'm wrong here. But Dan Quinn has done a really great job with this team, with the talent that he has, and just making things difficult on opposing teams. He figured out, hey, Jalen Hurts isn't as great against the blitz, or the Eagles aren't as good when teams blitz them. So they blitzed. They blitzed a lot more than they normally did. And that's something that can be appreciated. That's something that should be taken forward going on into the season. Offensively, you're going to get what you're going to get from Cooper Rush. He looked like a backup, which is what he is. But I think the Cow- Cowboys and Cowboys fans should take solace in the fact that they have a backup quarterback, a, ba- a viable quarterback option in case Dak gets hurt again. And at the end of the day, Kellen Moore, I think, is a good offensive coordinator, and I think they're going to take what they learn. During the Cooper Rush experience, which which was fun for maybe like two weeks, three weeks, We we got a dialogue out of it. But now we can take what we actually learned from the offense and translate it to Dak Prescott. Maybe you shouldn't be throwing the ball as often with Dak. Maybe the run game can work now with Tyler Smith playing the way he has on the offensive line. So my main takeaway really is the Cowboys are a lot better than I thought they would be which might be really good considering the rest of the NFC isn't as good.
3: Yeah. You know what? Uh, It's, it's been the term NFC least usually, and then it's kind of transitioned officially. And I think Brandon started this was NFC beast. I mean, really NFC, the NFC East has always been the joke division of the NFL. And and I think uh, the way the Eagles are playing, obviously the way the Cowboys are playing and the way the giants are playing just kind of really shows that this division is not one to mess with. And so I think when it comes to losing a divisional game, it is important and maybe not right now because, you know, the Cowboys and Eagles will play again in December, but in the long-term effect of things, when you're thinking playoffs and you're thinking postseason, that's when it's going to matter. And, um, you know, I'm really hoping that this loss doesn't matter. I'm hoping that the giants or the commanders can pull through and, and beat the Eagles for us at some point. But, um, yeah you know, I think what is impressive about the Eagles is how much Jalen hurts has really become his own quarterback this season. and And I think we were seeing shreds of that last season. I think he was just getting started getting comfortable. Man looks comfortable in that pocket. I mean, he had Micah coming at him, and he still looked comfortable. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give credit where credit is due. Uh, the Eagles' O line, I think, is one of the healthier, if not the healthiest, O line that the Cowboys have faced. Uh, this D line really looked like they were struggling that first half, and um, I think the third quarter was was the best that we we saw out of all of them. But Overall, I think when it comes to looking at the Cowboys' loss, they defeated themselves. I think they had opportunities left and right. I think there was a, a lack of utilization, obviously, on the offensive side with not scoring and uh, you know not getting even past the second downs. I, I think uh, that's something that really is overlooked, and, and one of my co-hosts, Aisha Morrison, she brought that up, is we can't even talk about the third-down conversions because they're not even making second-down conversions. I mean... The Cowboys just were shooting themselves in the foot. The penalties, JP, I don't know if you know this, but I harp on penalties left and right when it comes to the Cowboys. And I actually was like, please don't give me a reason to talk about penalties this week. I've been so good at not bringing it up. And look what happened. So look, I'm just going to say, they don't have as many penalties when I talk about it on these podcasts. So I'm just saying the lack of, I, I don't even know, discipline with these penalties and these were kind of weird penalties for this team, especially for the defense. Dan Quinn's defense does not get these kind of penalties. You don't usually see an unsportsmanlike Micah penalty or or Trayvon Diggs. I mean... It was the frustration that they were feeling. And I think that is um, just really showing this week. But I think that's a frustration that has been penting up because of the offense not executing and not giving the defense a break to do what they do best and play that complimentary football. But Brandon, what's your initial reaction? I've been dying to talk to you about this.
1: Uh, You know, we mentioned Disney before. I think it was like the Cowboys version of Infinity War, right? You have, like, the Avengers, great team, Cowboys, great team, and they're presented with an impossible task, right? Going against a team like Thanos and the Eagles, um, you know, Eagles are undefeated for a reason. They've been playing good football, um, and listen, I won't spoil the ending for Infinity War, but Avengers lose, you know, so it's like <laughs> Cowboys Cowboys lose too, And but it's not the end right it's not the end game if you will uh and it's like you may lose the battle but you're not going to lose the war and the cowboys will see the eagles down the line and jp you mentioned how the nfc right now as a whole is pretty uneven, right? If you look at teams like the Packers, the Rams, the 49ers, Cardinals, and Bucks, all of them aren't playing really good football right now. And you have teams like the Vikings and Giants who are 5-1, who really are like an anomaly for 5-1. So where do the Cowboys stack up at the end of this you know, game on Sunday? Like, are they still number two behind the Eagles or are they a little bit further down?
2: Honestly, they're the second best team in the NFC. Based on what I've seen from the Packers and based on what I've seen from the Buccaneers, Neither of those teams look very impressive. I mean, we've been saying all season, wait till the Bucks get healthy, then the season will turn around. We're still waiting. We, we don't know if this might just be the Bucks team this year. That this might just be it. And the Packers, they're just, it's weird to say they're not good because it feels like, oh, Aaron Rodgers boogeyman, he's going to show up and win like six straight games and make me eat my words. But that team's just not good. They're not good on either side of the ball right now. So I think Cowboys fans could take solace in the fact that they are the second best team in the NFC. And although they did show a kind of weakness to the Eagles, I think the Eagles had the best offensive line in of football. And when things got tough or when the game got close in the third quarter, they just were like, hey, we're gonna let we're gonna run the ball. And it worked really, really well. The Cowboys, I think coming into that game were 18th in defensive DVOA against the run. It has been an issue for them. Even when they played a team like the Commanders, they were able to rattle off some big runs, you able to rattle off some scrambles. So I think that could be an issue for the Cowboys popping back up later on in the season. But they're they're right now they're the second best team in the NFC and that's without Dak Prescott. When Dak comes back, we'll have a we might have a more difficult conversation about who the best team in the NFC is. Yeah, and I'm glad you
3: brought up, you know, Talking about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers because those are the goats of football, right? You think of the NFC and you think of, of those two men al- alone, and and the the fact that Cowboys Nation kind of cringes every time they see Green Bay on the schedule. That tells you Aaron Rodgers has left his mark on Dallas, and there's just going to be teams that do that, but. I mean, have y'all been watching these Green Bay games? They are not great, and they are not to the magnitude that you would expect out of Green Bay. And I think a lot of that is you've seen teams like the Eagles and and the Cowboys building over these last few years. It's been their building years. Yes. They've had successful seasons. Uh, The Cowboys even making their playoff run short last season, but it's, they still got to the playoffs. It was building seasons for them. I mean, the Cowboys hiring a new head coach, a COVID year, you had Mike McCarthy's first year uh, trying to implement a brand new system in this building without being in the building, without being around these guys. And then you have 2021, uh, we all know 2021, we all know, and not a great season, not a great ending to it, uh, with that matter. But what the point of all of that is, is when you're building up these teams in the, in the process, in the moment, you're like, oh, I don't know if we have a good team. I don't know. And now what you're seeing out of the Cowboys and the Eagles specifically is, that, that building and that momentum, it is here. You have your younger guys, and you have these these rookies that are great. You have things that are panning out for both of these teams. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have Tom Brady uh, with the Bucks. You have Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay, who had their, their prime guys when they had them, and now you're slowly seeing the decline, and you're seeing the injuries impacting, specifically, Tampa Bay, which we've seen since week one, but... I think what you're seeing is a product of both the Eagles and the Cowboys continuously building up both of their teams these last few years specifically, and that is scary because those are young matchups that are not going to go away from the NFC East for a minute. So it's scary, equally exciting, and I think anything that adds to that rivalry just makes it even better.
2: Exactly, and I think that point about process is really really a crucial point because I think on both sides of the coin, we're seeing the process yielding the results. So the Eagles built for this season, they built to be a championship team. They went and got A.J. Brown for this reason. They went and drafted Jordan Davis in the first round for this reason, for this game. When things got tough in the passing game, they went to A.J. Brown because that's who they went and got. That's going and drafting Devontae Smith that's the process. I think for the Cowboys, again, this is the process. Although Dak isn't there, you can't really see the full process come to effect. I think the biggest example of this process is Tyler Smith. You draft him in the first round, expecting him to be the next left tackle. You slide him in left guard in the offseason, Tyron Smith gets hurt, slide him out left tackle, and he's playing amazing. He's playing at practically an offensive rookie of the year level right now. So it's an example of the process yielding the results in a good way. And then on the other side of the coin, I think for the pack for the Packers, it is process yielding results. You go and trade Devontae Adams, you don't really replace them. This is the result that you get. For the Buccaneers, people get hurt. Like that's that's been the entire thing for Tampa. We we said they'd be the best when they're healthy and health would be the big issue. This is the results of that process. So I think that entire point, this is this is the Cowboys pro. Podcast, I do feel like I'm very repeating the process, trust the process, yada, yada, yada. It is the process yielding results. I think for the Cowboys, Cowboys fans should take slowest in the fact that the process is working. And when Dak gets back, the process will work even better because Dak is still a very good quarterback.
1: You bring up a great point. It's it's a different way of winning for both teams. You see that the Cowboys, it's draft and developed. They have the highest percentage of drafted players um, still on the roster. And then the Eagles, Harry Roseman is uh, doesn't shy away from signing players to contracts and free agency to win now, like you talked about. You have – Darius Lay coming over in a trade you have uh James Bradbury you know signing and in this offseason. Hassan Reddick, um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson who got an interception you know these are guys that are playing well right now for the team and then when they're drafting and developing like you said they're hitting on a lot of their picks a player like a Jordan Davis Miles Sanders hat off to him he's pr- played so much better this season I don't know where he ranks now but I know going into the game he was third in the NFL in rushing so the guy is having a great season and I think the the biggest thing that Cowboys fans are upset with is that this defense has carried them throughout this win streak and the defense struggled last night. From your perspective, JP, I know I think what many fans can agree with is this RPO uh, is sort of like the kryptonite for the Dallas defense. What did you notice when it came to the defense and how Dan Quinn was defending the RPOs and Jalen Hurts? Because like you mentioned, they had success with blitzing, but I feel like he backed off a little bit. And just with that fear of Jalen Hurts kind of running outside the pocket.
2: So I think in the first half, they were afraid to blitz mainly because Jalen Hurts' legs can't hurt you if you're bringing... It's the same thing with a lot of bigger quarterbacks in the NFL. You want to blitz them, but you're not going to blitz them with a corner wearing 24. you got to blitz with a 50-something. you got to blitz with a linebacker to be able to bring them down. So I think that was kind of... I guess that was kind of the process there, but in defending those RPOs, it's extremely difficult because the Eagles are so good at making you wrong, regardless of the choice that you make. I think the touchdown to Devontae Smith was the biggest example of just making you wrong regardless. They have been setting up that touchdown the entire game with Jalen Hurts pulling, A.J. Brown running into the flat, or Dallas Goddard running into the flat. They were just, it was like a jab every time. If if the edge player crashed, Jalen Hurts would keep it. That's a jab. They stay, Miles Sanders keeps it up. A gut for six yards. That's a jab. Throw it out to Dallas Goddard or A.J. Brown to flat. They take off for 15 yards. That's a jab. Then Devontae Smith catches a touchdown. That's the cross. That's the haymaker. And you're kind of just like, hey, what what can you do? Because they're so dynamic in the ways they're able to beat teams. So I think Dan Quinn kind of realized at the end of the half, first half, beginning of the second half, just blitz. Speed up the processing. I think that's been the biggest thing for the Eagles this year. I think the Cardinals kind of exposed it a little bit, but they don't have the personnel to really affect the, uh, the um, Eagles because they are the Cardinals right now. But being able to blitz and speed up the timing, I think a lot of RPOs are based on timing. Speed up that process for the quarterback and make him make that decision even quicker than he already has to. I think that'll be the biggest thing going forward for the Cowboys because they do have the personnel to blitz
3: the eagles the cowboys the similarities the 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 main thing that i think both of these teams have that is not necessarily overlooked but was forgotten about i think going into this game was the amount of depth on both sides of the ball i mean the amount of depth on both of these teams like I keep saying, it is a scary matchup, not just for this season, but for years to come with the Cowboys and the Eagles. And I think um, it's exciting, but but uh, again, it is scary, especially when you go to the long stretch of looking at postseason and when these wins and losses matter the most, it could mean the difference in a first-round bye and your wild card spot. And, you know – Looking at how the NFC is panning out right now, I don't know which one would be better or worse, uh, really looking at how things look. But it's, it's interesting to, uh, to think about there. But I, I guess my next question to you is, when you were watching the Cowboys offense, is there any specific player? I know you alluded to Tyler Smith giving an impressive performance during the season, but, but is there a specific player that stood out to you that you kind of didn't expect to stand out during this game?
2: I think Zeke played great. Zeke played fantastic, and I think a lot of why he did was – I think a lot of his play was able to be the reason why the Cowboys came back in the second half. I think the Eagles do give off a little bit of a formation tell with their defense. If Jordan Davis comes into the game, they're preparing for a run. Jordan Davis leaves the field, they're preparing for a pass. Every time Jordan Davis would leave the field, they would run instead of passing. And it's able to work so well because they were able to hit the bootlegs. They were able to hit the nakeds where Cooper Rush would run out, run out in the backfield, throw to Dalton Schultz, who was, or not Dalton Schultz, Peyton Hendershot, who was wide open in the flat, and they'd take off 15 yards. Zeke was able to find the gaps in, uh, in the defense for the Eagles, and the Cowboys' offensive line played really well in the second half. I think the reason they really couldn't come back was because the Eagles' secondary is extremely talented and extremely deep, but I think finding that formation tell with whether Jordan Davis is on the field or off the field is super important because if they he was off the field, Zeke had a great game. Zeke had a great game running the ball. He showed explosiveness. He showed decisiveness. It looked like the Zeke of old, and I think that was really cool to see.
1: We'll we'll mark down that uh, that Jordan Davis tell him. We'll have Jess send it off to Dan Quinn uh, for for the December matchup. And the last question, JP, before we let you go is, uh, I'm very curious in your opinion. Where can this Dallas team improve? You know, either is it a signing? Is it a specific position that they need to improve? A trade, possibly a benching? Like what's something that in your eyes can take the Cowboys team to the next level to beat the Eagles come December and possibly in the playoffs? I think they
2: really just need another receiver. I think being able to move CeeDee Lamb around the formation. I think last year he was at his best when he was in the slot and you could impress him. I think CD Lamb's great from that spot, but being able to find a true outside receiver will help them so much in terms of not only being able to move CD Lamb around, but being able to allow Dak Prescott to get through reads and being able to be like, okay, CD Lamb's not open on this crosser over the middle, just find the second receiver on the backside dig. It'll help this offense a lot. It'll help CD Lamb a lot. And I think, on the defensive side of the ball, I don't really think there's much in terms of acquisition of talent that needs to be done. I think stopping the run can be fixed with just simple tweaks and assignments, or maybe instead of telling the defensive line to aggressively go up the field, it's play the run to the pass instead of play, play, uh, play fast, play pass first, play the run on the way to the pass. And that'll help you stop the run a little bit more. But, if they can get a set, if they get a second receiver to help CeeDee Lamb move inside out, that'll take that offense to a completely different level.
3: So I know that was supposed to be the last question, but you're talking about another receiver, and I think somebody that's very overlooked because he's been on IR is James Washington, and it seems like he is very close to returning uh, just based on a conversation I had with him in the locker room last week, it seems like he's doing well. It seems like really it could be any week that that name is going to pop back up. So do you think he would be somebody um, that could be helpful? Like you're talking about and needing that extra help in the receiver core. Do you think he's the guy for that?
2: I think he can help, especially because he's an outside, uh, outside dominant receiver. He can win. 50-50 balls on the outside. He can win those contested catches. So that'll allow CeeDee Lamb to move inside and be a matchup nightmare for slower linebackers, smaller DBs. It'll help CeeDee Lamb out a lot. I think James Washington should be able to kind of push them over the top in terms of being just an average to below average receiver group to a legit above average group. But I think Dak coming back will help. James Washington, CeeDee Leia, Michael Gowles play a lot because good quarterbacks elevate the play of the receivers around them. And that's what Dak is. Dak is a very good quarterback.
1: Well, guys, you you heard it here first. Uh, JP thinks that the addition of James Washington and Dak Prescott will lead to a Super Bowl. Uh, JP, we appreciate your time, man. Uh, Please, everybody, go to SB Nation. Check out JP's column. Check out all of his work. JP, where can people uh, follow you on Twitter to not only get great quality Cowboys content, but Disney content as well?
2: So you follow me at Acosta32 underscore JP. It sounds a little bit like a MySpace thing, but I made that when I was playing football in high school, and I wanted my jersey number in there. But acosta 32 underscore JP is where you can find me. Like you said, I post a lot about football. I post a lot of memes. I post a lot of Disney stuff. So I think I'm pretty cool on Twitter, I guess. I'm, I'm all right.
3: You know what we're, we're gonna agree you're pretty you're pretty cool you're pretty amazing uh, like I said you checked two of my three boxes that's pretty hard to do so JP we appreciate your incredible incredible insight uh, your amazing football mind and of course your Disney references here on the writers blog podcast we appreciate you and thanks so much for coming on you are always welcome especially if you're gonna tell us uh, that the Cowboys are gonna win the Super Bowl always welcome here <laughs> with us
1: thank you for having me awesome take care JP You too.
3: All right. Well, we appreciate JP and all of uh, that incredible stuff. That was some great information and really great thinking points to embed in y'all's brains before this week of football starts up because this is a big week. Brandon, we're talking about the return of QB1, and oh, man, I – I'm excited. I can't tell you enough. I'm excited. I also think uh, it's important to note that Cooper Rush does get his flowers. I know that's such an overused term, but he gets his kudos and his credit for doing exactly what a backup quarterback should do. He should win games. And, um, you know, I I really hope that this Eagles game isn't the defining factor of uh, what we've seen these last five weeks from him, but I appreciate Cooper Rush and all his effort. But what I don't appreciate is uh, Brandon and I were just talking There are some key things that happened in this game, key moments, key plays, key drives that ended up costing the Cowboys a win, first of all, a division win, and uh, second of all, it cost them from stripping that undefeated title away from the Eagles, which uh, I know they really wanted, we all really wanted, but hey, December will roll around before we know it. Brandon, let's get started looking back at this game, and what are some of the key things you saw that were the game changers, if you will?
1: You mentioned Cooper Rush's name and and like you mentioned, we should give him credit. I think that I've heard a lot of criticism. Not not that much. I think it's a very small percentage of Cowboys fans, but saying that, you know, Dak should have played in the game if he was healthy. And Dak said, of course, that he was feeling like at an A, but he wants to get to an A plus. And I, I just don't think there was no need to rush him, especially in that hostile environment that we saw, because I think the crowd was crazy. They were at hundred percent capacity. Like Philadelphia was was crazy last night. So that was not the environment that to bring them back in, and especially to the way that the offensive line for Dallas was struggling in the first half you don't want to risk another injury um, because Cooper Rush was starting to get banged up by the end of the game so you could see that the pocket was starting to close in on him especially the Brandon Graham hit and that's when he was throwing the ball deep so could could you imagine Dak gets hurt on a play like that you know when Tyler Smith lets the pressure in it's just so many things could have happened wrong so but Cooper Rush was the reason why they won the previous four games but he's also the reason why they lost I think that the three turnovers the interceptions those were costly Um, of course the interception that was an underthrow to C.D lamb down the field it was he was hit prior to the pass so again like that played a factor into it but again it's before that the game was kind of already out of hand they were down 20 to 3 before uh halftime so and that was a lot of short fields given to the Eagles offense and I think that that's where it starts and and that's something that he was good at all season is not turning the ball over so for me just that's sort of the overarching factor i mean there's some other things as well i think lack of tackling uh, is huge i know mike mccarthy talked about that earlier in the week and he said that the team that tackles the best will win the game and you think well tackling that's fundamental football that should be what every team does but not necessarily last night when you have the RPO and the threat of running uh, of a running quarterback and and a guy like an AJ Brown as a wide receiver these are big dudes and to tackle them and to miss tackles going for the ball I think is something that uh, the defense was putting too much of an emphasis on rather than tackling uh, the runners so for me those are like the biggest two if you want to talk about the drives I I I wrote down two of them specifically uh, that I thought were killers, but I know you have stuff to say as well, too.
3: I mean, no, I I think you hit it right on the head. I, I think Cooper Rush's performance is what did them in, but also just the offense as a whole, again, just looked like they were struggling so hard to get ahead of the chains. And you look at that first half, the Cowboys should have had at least six more points and at most 14 more points on the board than three. So you look at that and you add that in going three and out on your first drive at a home Philadelphia game is not the way to start it. You do not want to go three and out in Philly against this Philly team right now that that was a recipe for disaster already. But something, you know, I'm going to mention. Here we go. Jess is about to beat the dead horse again the penalties, and you're going to hear it all week. So I would rather y'all hear it from me first because I I talk about this all the time and I wish I didn't have to, Um, especially weeks like this when you see the costly penalties that overall could have made the game become a different outcome if those penalties were not there. If you didn't have, what was it, the Dante Fowler neutral zone infraction penalty on that fourth down, sir, what are you doing? Sir, like – they knew it. That That's exactly what the Eagles were trying to do. He bit right into it. You cannot do that because that was so costly. And it was just so, so predictable. I was sitting with Jesse Hawley uh, watching the game at Texas Live, and he's like, watch, somebody's going to get the neutral zone infraction. And then right after he said that, I was like, don't jinx us. Like, shut your mouth. Don't do that again, please. Uh, no, it was, it was really cool, though. But seeing it from his perspective and, and watching the game – with his perspective was really interesting. But the fact that he could just tell based on what the Eagles were trying to do on that fourth down, it was crazy. But anyway, so there was that one. Obviously you have the Micah and the digs on sportsmanlike conducts, which look, I talked about this in the girls talk boys talk podcast as well I love the passion that this team has. I love it. I, I really thrive to be that passionate for my job, uh, you know, every day. That that uh, these guys show up and they have that much love for their job and their team and everything. However, the fact that they were so frustrated that they allowed these penalties is killer. Micah's, I'm, I'm going to let him off the hook a little bit because – What football player isn't talking smack to the guy next to him? But Trayvon, put your helmet on. You know better than that. I mean, it's just so avoidable. Those penalties um, are are just so avoidable. And and Dan Quinn talked about it in his press conference earlier. And and again, we record this on Monday night. So Dan Quinn talked on Monday um, just about the penalties in general. And he said, yeah, we can't be doing that. We can't be doing that. But what I also really loved about hearing Dan Quinn is it was just very reassuring that they're going to get better. I I really will be shocked if we see more of these penalties, not just these next couple of weeks, but for the rest of the season, because I know for sure Micah in his post-game interview, he was bothered. He was upset at that penalty, and he was upset at himself. So the accountability that these guys have, I have no doubt that – we're not going to see that happen again, but it was just frustrating because it really did change the game in a negative way. It was like the Cowboys get that momentum going, boom, penalty. It, it's just, it's such a penalty. It is just such a momentum killer really. And um, yeah, so penalties, that was the biggest uh, thing for me. Something else that I I wanted to mention was um, so the Eagles going for it on fourth down, which you know, we, we knew was more than likely that's, that's their style of playing. And that's fine. I, I like the aggressive play style that the Eagles have. That's again, why are they undefeated? They're aggressive. And then they go for these things. And um, <laughs> if you go back and watch their fourth down plays, you see Leighton Vander just decide to dive over the top of, of everybody, which works sometimes if your guys going <laughs> over the top, right? If, if your quarterback's sneaking it over the top, love that for you. Layton Esch is going to knock him out of the park. Hmm, no. Nope. Well, did that dive move ever go over the top? Nope. The ball went under. So Layton Esch is going up. The ball is going under. Easy first down for the Eagles. I I just I I think looking back that can be a very big learning lesson for LV and uh the Dan Quinn in general to, to, to pay more attention to those little things. But again, I have no doubt that they're going to do that.
1: Yeah, no, you, and actually uh, agree to disagree. I do understand. And I agree with the penalties on um, Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons. I actually haven't reversed. I, the Trayvon Diggs one doesn't kill me as much because it led to them trying the two point conversion and then they didn't get it. I actually look at the Micah Parsons one as, you know, that's a crucial, they would have been third and 10 at a point in the game where maybe you could kind of take momentum back a little bit. And I just look at that as he has been very disciplined throughout the whole season. And it's crazy to see how week one, there were no defensive penalties and you have a lot more on Sunday. I do agree though, that the penalties were were brutal and drive killers, momentum killers. Um, So I do agree. In my opinion, I think the Trayvon Diggs one wasn't as bad as the Micah, but all around, we could both agree the P word. We don't want to hear it anymore.
3: I'm sick of the color yellow. Yeah, (laughs) I'm removing the color yellow from my entire apartment, from my wardrobe. Like I just do not want to see the color yellow ever again in my entire existence. After this game, just after the last, I guess, year and a half of of Cowboys um penalties has been something that we've we talk about off and on off and on and why well because it's a discipline thing and and it's just they it kills games it kills drives it kills chances for for comeback and i think both of those penalties you know i i know you disagree with with my take on it and that's we love that we love oh, a little, yeah. oh, a little oh, disagreement. Yeah. but what we can not agree on is both of them shouldn't have happened I mean, you look at it. it's it's so easy and preventable. So I'm off my penalty soapbox until probably next week, and i'm I'm hoping not. I'm hoping I can one day come back and report to everybody. Guess what we don't have to talk about this week. Penalties. Woo, that's the goal. Um, but you know what? What I really appreciate about this team is their their, their theme is resilience. Without uh, a setback, you can't have a comeback. So I, I think this team is gonna be resilient. I don't think anybody should be too hard on on this loss. At the end of the day, you're going to see a much different Dallas Cowboys team come December when they play the Eagles again.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that, like you mentioned, this idea of resiliency, we saw it, it was very close uh, for a comeback. And unfortunately, the, the Dallas defense that has been the – Uh, best part of this team led up that long drive um, where Dallas, they got within three points. It was a 13 play seven minute drive. I mean, an absolute killer, just the run defense. They ran, I think either 11 out of 12 or 10 out of 11 plays. I mean, the, the Eagles just knew that that's how they wanted to beat the team. But Jess, you mentioned this idea of resiliency. And I think that bodes into my top 10. Which we'll get into. And I think that we'll start with you, but I know I did have a lot of players, like we mentioned before, even though it's a loss, there's still a lot of players that perform really well in this game, a lot of standouts too. Um, so who do you have at your bottom three for this week's top 10?
3: Yeah, I think my my top 10 is gonna be a little shocking this week and and uh, we love a good shocking top 10 power ranking, right? So my bottom three, number 10, I did have Micah Parsons. Didn't think he would ever be Ooh. that low on, on my top ten, right? Wow. I, I I know I was really I look I'm I'm being hard on him for that penalty, and I I nor do anybody else have to be because he's being hard on himself. You you already know that, so that's why he's on my power rankings. It's Micah Parsons. At the end of the day, he was still trying to uh, do as much as he could. I I think this game specifically, he was too busy trying to make the play happen instead of looking at what was really going on. I think he looked a little bit lost at times. And I think this was the, if we can say this was the weakest we've ever seen Micah Parsons play that, that tells you what a great player he is. Anyways, I have no doubt that this is the kind of game Micah needs to light that fire under him again. And then we're going to see him play like an absolute monster these next couple of weeks. So I had Micah at number 10, number nine, I had Peyton Hendershot because hello, Peyton Hendershot. We just, Oh man, I can't say enough good things about these tight ends. Um, just spoiler alert: Jake Ferguson is somewhere else on my list, but um, these young tight ends coming in, it was it was kind of cool. I got to talk to both of them in the locker room um, last week, and just you can tell they have such a great connection with each other, and and they talk so highly of each other's work. So uh, always can appreciate that. But Peyton Hendershot coming out to make a statement game, this was the game to do it for any young player and I can appreciate that number eight I had D law Uh, D law was so close so many times to getting to Jalen hurts it was hurting me to to see how close he was really and so I have no I have no doubt in my mind that the next time these two teams play D law is going to get his sack And if if not multiple sacks on Jalen Hurts. So those are my bottom three. What about you?
1: Uh, I had Peyton Hendershot at number 10. So we have him kind of right around the same area. I, I want you the next time you see him to, to tell him about that dynamic duo uh, title that we're going to give him um, and just see what they uh, yeah. say. Because I think they'd like it. Uh, yeah, you, like you said, I mean, you know, they – both tight ends had a great game against the New York Giants, and they have a good game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe it's an NFC East thing uh, when you're on the road because they didn't really play too well uh, against the commanders. But I thought that not only you know did he have two really good receptions, he was targeted five times. So Cooper Rush was looking his direction, and a couple plays could have gone his-, his way if not – for the the Eagles' defenders and the cornerbacks, which were playing a really good game, um, but he was great in blitz pickup too. I saw him blocking really well, and that was something that he struggled with weeks before. So again, you're seeing this improvement with these young guys, especially at the tight end position, which is great. Uh, number nine, I had Malik Hooker. I know defense might not come; uh, it might they might not appear as much on this list as previous weeks. Um, I do have a couple guys on here, but. I thought Malik Hooker, when your free safety leads the team in tackles, it either usually means that they're down in the box and uh, playing really well, but he's a free safety, so that means that he's at the secondary level, at the second level, and uh, he's preventing a lot of runs from going past him so I give him a lot of credit for being a sure tackler Uh, he had 10 solo tackles out of 12 so I give him a lot of credit uh, for making sure nothing got past him because there weren't any big plays in this game and I think he had a lot to do with that and then number eight I actually have Tyler Smith I thought outside of the two plays that he gave up where you know like we talked about the Brandon Graham play um, and there was one other one that he had I thought he's been very very good and the Eagles pass rush the front uh line for them the defensive line is very good Hassan Redick uh Montez Sweat you know these are really really good is it Montez Sweat or is it Josh Sweat I know there's uh two different guys uh in the division you are asking, asking the wrong person the
3: wrong person right. that is all Aisha <laughs> she is the girl I usually I'm like hey am I saying this right is this the right name yeah. she's my girl for that but no I know exactly who you're talking about I not my forte. Yeah. Not my forte at all.
1: So he, he was really good at keeping the pocket clean um, in the second half. And especially in – he's a great run blocker. You know, We see him pulling out and lead blocking for a lot of these explosive runs that Zeke has, that Pollard has. So I think he just continues to prove uh, each and every week. And, you know, I'll, I'll roll with my next three here. I got at 7, 6, and 5. I have at 7 Dorrance Armstrong. Um, I think that each week the guy just keeps improving and not necessarily that he makes you forget about Randy Gregory, um, cause Dorns Armstrong is still kind of a little bit of a liability in the run game. Um, but you know, he, on the opening drive, he has that awesome sack on Jalen hurts and it sets the tone at least early of what a lot of fans were thinking like, oh man, the defense is standing out and it pushed them back and, and had them punt the ball when they were kind of moving a little bit and having some momentum so taking the air out of the Eagles offense was something that they knew coming in they had to do and that's what he did Uh, at six I have Kevante Turpin I think and I don't know he by that look and your reaction it seems like he might be a little bit higher on your list Um, but he had six total returns for 132 yards and Jess talked to him uh this week in the locker room and you can hear the quote not only on Twitter but on Instagram if you follow Jess uh it was a great question and he had a great answer he said that th- he felt like this game was going to be his coming out game um uh, and not He didn't get the touchdown that everybody was expecting, but he had a 63-yard return, which was awesome, and it set up the field goal before half. So I thought he had a great game, um, all circumstances considering. And at five, I have Demarcus Lawrence. I thought that, you know, when things were getting stressful for the defense, he's the typical leader that kind of calms things down. When the running uh, plays were going to his side, he shut it down completely. He had a tackle for loss. Like you mentioned, the would-be sack on the second drive, ugh. He was so close. It's just Jalen Hurts sidestepped him a little bit. Um, so we got to give him a little bit of grief for that. But I think, like you said, come December, he's not going to miss that sack.
3: No, definitely not. And uh, we'll we'll talk about Kavante here, here in a bit. But uh, going on to, we're on number seven. My number seven was Malik Hooker. So very similar. Um, I, I think Malik Hooker was one of those silent killers during this game, if you will, because he wasn't somebody that was making those big, noticeable plays where, you know, like, the the common fan would, would point out, like, oh, look, you know, who was that? It was, you go back and you watch and you're like, wait, what happened? And you're like, oh, it's Millie Cooker again. Oh, okay, cool, you know? So he's one of those silent killers in in the game that, yeah, I I agree. I think if Malik wasn't out there, the score could have been a lot worse. So thank you, Malik Hooker for, for playing on Sunday. Now, number six, I had CeeDee Lamb. Um, He's a little lower on my list, but only because (sighs) CeeDee Lamb. Oh man. Okay. I, I really wanted him to have the game and he had a great game. Don't get me wrong, he had a great game. Let's pull up his stats real quick. He had let's see. five he touched the ball five times. He had a total of 68 receiving yards averaging 13.6. That sounds amazing, right? However, it wasn't the game I wanted from CD. I needed CD to be absolutely clutch. And you know what that that last interception um y'all please ignore Skip Bayless. Please 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 don't listen to that take of that was his fault. That was not that was not on CD. If you go back and you look, he I think he bumps into Noah Brown at some point right before, messes with his route to to come out and be where he needed to be. No doubt that, you know, had that not happened, he would have caught that ball. You know, the rest is history. But, um, yeah, I, I had CD at six, which is still pretty high in my list for, for CD. I think that's pretty good, but it just wasn't his best game. I think his wide receiver won. These games should be your best game these Eagles games, these division rival games, especially with how the Eagles look this year, I need you to have a big game. Like, CD. I need you to be the target guy. And and uh, I know more of the emphasis was more run game. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second too. But CD, I had number six. Um, and then number five, I had Tony Pollard. Speaking of the run game, very good transition there. Um, I think Tony Pollard continues, continues to show you why he has the speed. He has... Um, he has some jets. I mean, Turbo Terp isn't the only one that, that has jets on this team. You get Tony Pollard going, and he's running. He has the speed. And, and I think, um, you know, t- Tony Pollard is uh, working on that pass pro. He's working on it. You can tell he's working on it, which each is week, great.
1: Each week, he's getting better.
3: <laughs> we, we love that for him. We, we want him to succeed, but... Um, no, I, I, think the asset he brings is the speed. I think he's going to get you the speed. He's going to get you those, those yards, those, those long yards, um, that, that, Zeke maybe can't because, um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little while, but yeah, number five, I had Tony Pollard. Who do you have next on, on your list? Yeah. Because I have a feeling our lists just look very different this week.
1: Yeah. You mentioned CeeDee Lamb. He has actually, in my honorable mentions, I think when a lot of Cowboys fans, uh, you compare the success that Amari Cooper has had to the Eagles in the past. Um, you know, it's 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 just tough for him to be at that level and or not be at that level and be on the list. And yes, he did have a great game, but I think that there were a couple passes he could have kind of made a little bit more of an effort. But I still I think he had a great game. Um, you mentioned Tony Pollard; he's not on my list. Uh, you can call him Tony Turbo if you want. You know, reverse it with the. Turbo terp. Um, but yeah, no, I thought he had a pretty good game, too. But at number four, I had Micah Parsons, actually. I thought that uh, when Driscoll came in, when uh, Lane Johnson went out, and I know Aisha Morrison was talking about this last week. She mentioned his name. She's like, when he's in the game, go at him all day. And that's exactly what they did. Micah was on his side for the rest of the game. And he actually disrupted the pocket a lot more. And it was like, like you said, almost those hidden plays where I remember him and Sam Williams met at the quarterback and Jalen Hurts was just like really hurt uh, after lack of a better word, um, you know, after that play. And that was him going against Driscoll. So I thought that he applied a lot more pressure. Like you said, there, it wasn't probably his best game, but I still think that he creates a lot of mismatches for a lot of guys. And um. You know, I'm starting to appreciate that side of his production, You know, almost like the hidden side. Uh, at number three, I had Terrence Steele. I think that he has played very, very good since week one, uh, since his penalty game. It's somebody that we haven't even talked about on this list, but I think it's because it's a good thing. I thought that you know he was absolutely a monster in the run game. And Aisha, again, you know, she was tweeting saying that it was awesome to see how much fun he was having after he made a really good block. And the Zeke touchdown, you could see – He's pushing Fletcher Cox out of the picture, and that guy is an all-pro pro bowler. And for him to do that, you could just tell he enjoys it. And then there was one play he just right out, like, flattened the guy. Uh, and even Chris Collinsworth was, like, shocked. And and, and he was even talking about it, too. Um, so I thought he had a great game. Number two, I have Jake Ferguson. Uh, I think that, you know, we talked about this a while back. It's like my dad was saying he looked like Jay Novacek, you know, typical 90s guy referencing the 90s. But he did have, like, a Jason Witten-esque to him, you know, with, like, the rollouts that JP was talking about. You know, those were signature Jason Witten plays when Tony Romo was uh, the quarterback. and But you know what? Jason Witten wasn't pulling no swim move uh, for a touchdown. I mean, that touchdown was so impressive. We saw Peyton Hendershot do something similar in the preseason. Like you said, the dynamic do are at tight end now. It's creating almost like uh, Dalton Schultz, you know, come the off season, he may not be with the team anymore because the, off, uh, the front office might like what they see with these two young guys. So I thought Jake Ferguson had an awesome game. He had also had that one elevated catch um, on the Dallas uh, first touchdown that they had um, that I thought was an awesome, awesome play. So he continues to impress.
3: Yeah, and um, we'll we'll go back to to uh, Jake Ferguson here in a minute. I I guarantee it um, because there's a little story to, to tell there that ties into what uh, you were talking about with uh, Dalton Schultz. So going back, let's see what number what number am I on now? I'm on number four. Yep. I believe I'm on number four. Yeah, okay. number four. I always lose track because I get so excited listening yeah. to yours. I'm <laughs> like comparing it, and I'm like, oh man, okay. Number four, I have Dorrance Armstrong because he has had his fifth sack of the season and y'all like do the math here that's incredible i this is a guy that had zero expectations to do anything on this defense when you think back to all of the big names that were being thrown thrown out even during training camp torrance armstrong wasn't one of them nobody like that i was even looking back at rosters where people are like oh is torrance armstrong gonna make it really like this guy Total beast. Total beast. He's playing with such confidence now. I, I love it for him. I, I love to see Dorrance Armstrong coming on, coming out Armstrong. Uh, you love to see that. So we have Dorrance Armstrong. Not to mention, you, you talked about this earlier in your list when you mentioned him. It was kind of rare to see a guy on the defense, it seemed like, on Sunday, making those tackles fully throughout the entire game. Dorrance was one of them. So... Anybody that was making all those tackles on Sunday, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, number three, I had Kavante Turpin because I was so proud of him. I was rooting for Kavante. Look, when I got the chance to talk to him during inter- uh, locker room interviews, I was, I was like honed in on talking to him and Zeke because I had questions that I just had embedded in my brain for, for both of them. I, he was sitting there. Nobody was going up to him, and I'm like, Y'all aren't gonna go talk to him? Like, he's gonna have a week. Why is nobody talking to him? So I go up to him and I'm so excited to talk to him. and. Um, you know, we're, we're talking for a minute before I even start recording. And then we're just getting into the conversation because I was like, you're going to take it home this weekend. Like I, I can feel it. You're, you're going to have a great game. I, you can just tell you're ready to bust it. And so he's talking, and I was like, oh my gosh, wait, I'm not recording. And he laughs and he's like, that's okay. I'll start again. Just so patient. And, and that was so nice because that was such a rookie mistake of me. It was so patient about it. Um, so I start recording And something that he talked about was this was his first game outside and and playing really outside in in an environment that he's more comfortable playing in. He said something uh, that people were talking to him about were the type of cleats to wear and um, how being outside just feels very different, uh, especially when it comes to him returning those balls. So he said this was a game that he had something to prove. Look, I fully believe, I fully believe that he would have taken it home, but, uh, got tripped up. Uh, who, who was it that, Oh think Jalen
1: Tolbert. Uh, he ran into the back of him. No, Um,
0: it was,
3: um, I'll have to look back in my notes, but had whoever it was, whoever it was, you go back and you look, it's so frustrating because I feel like he just would have taken it all the way home. I was so excited for him. So long story short, I had Kavante Turpin number three and then number two, We did have a similarity. Jake Ferguson, this is a guy, again, that um, you just didn't expect to have this kind of season. And when he's being compared and in the same sentence as a Jason Witten and that being that clutch of a tight end – that's a game changer, and that's a game changer when you look at it from a front office perspective to the decisions that have to be made about Dalton Schultz on a franchise tag year. So uh, interesting to see there, and, and I talked to him. I talked to Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot. Um, they, their lockers are right next to each other. Go figure, right? And um, I was talking to them, and we're just like, hey, you know, do y'all get along, and and is this more like a big brother situation with Dalton? He's like, Yeah. He's like, exactly. He's like our big brother. And um, he talked about, he's like, there's nobody I don't get along with on this team. We are all brothers. And he emphasized, like, we are all brothers. And he said Dalton is very supportive of them um, and gives very great advice, very helpful. So I thought that was really cool to to hear because that's not always going to be the case when you're in a situation like Dalton Schultz is, uh, being on that franchise tag year. And then, you know, you had the chance for a potential deal. You turned it down. You're on a franchise tag and then up come these two, uh, tight ends that are, that are working. And, uh, and on top of that, he's dealing with that nagging knee injury. So going to be interesting to see what the rest of the season holds for Dalton Schultz there. But, uh, those, that was my number two, Jake Ferguson. Who is your number
1: one? I think we might have the same number one. And, and Jake Ferguson and pa- Peyton Hendershot, they remind me of uh, the Rugrats with Dill and Phil, uh, you know, the the twins. You Yes. Know? Yeah. Oh,
3: my God, yes.
1: And, and we can actually maybe instead of dynamic duo, it might be the Dallas duo uh, for Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson. And, and you don't have to tell uh, Ferguson I said this, but it's, he has that Jason Wittenness about of where he's a little bit more lumbering. Uh, it's almost like he's he kind of stumbles a little bit more than just a fluid runner like a Dalton Schultz, but I do think that he's still a great player and still developing, and yeah, it's making it difficult uh, for, for Dallas to think about keeping Dalton Schultz as well as the two young guys next season, but the number one guy I have is Ezekiel Elliott. I think that what we got on Sunday was vintage Zeke. And not only uh, you know did he have a really good game over 80 yards rushing and the touchdown, but he also became the third running back in Cowboys history to go over 10,000 scrimmage yards. So I thought that that was also super impressive to get that record. And it was important for him probably to get that record as well. I just thought he kept moving the chains when it mattered. He had a couple of spin moves too, where he was moving forward. So I thought that when he was touching the ball in the past previous weeks, we saw that when Tony Pollard was in the game, he was having more success than Zeke. And it created this conversation of, Oh, is Pollard the better back than Zeke? I think, In a game like this where it's, you know, pound the rock and grind it out like an old Jason Garrett game. I think that this is the vintage Zeke that we're looking for. And I hope that this is sort of like a catapult for even better games. And he's going up against, you know, two teams in the next two weeks between the Lions and the Bears who give up a lot of yards on the ground. So I think Pollard and Zeke will have a lot of success. But I think if Zeke carries this into the next few weeks before the bye week, I think it'll bode well for not only the offense, but also the run game as well, too.
3: Oh yeah, and I totally agree because to nobody's surprise, Ezekiel Elliott is my number one this week on this power rankings list. How can he not be? And and something I had I had noticed. I was just talking to Aisha uh, on on Thursday, and I was like, you know what? I'm curious to see is which NFC East team Zeke is statistically just looking better for. If you look up all the games that Zeke has ever played between the Eagles, the Giants, and Washington, Zeke statistically has the best yardage against the eagles so um zeke does uh his locker room interviews the you know and and he did it the day before i i was able to go in the locker room and so everyone's like well i don't know if he'll talk to you because he already did media yesterday you know and i was like no i need to ask him this like i'm gonna i'm gonna try to get him uh to to see what he says about it I go up to zeke introduced myself and we're talking. I was like, I'm so sorry. I wasn't credentialed yesterday to be in here. Uh, but I noticed this and I was so excited to tell him and he goes, Oh really? Like he was actually kind of like, Oh, that's cool. And so his answer was really cool that, you know, it, it's not just another game, but um, he, he likes playing against Philly. So what was kind of bumming, bumming out, I guess, to see was, after the game, his post game interview, oh man, you could just feel his his heartbreak. You could you could feel that he wanted that win and and we all did. But what I love about what we're seeing now is the Zeke appreciation. I think this is the game that Cowboys fans needed to reappreciate Zeke because again, guys, we can have two great running backs. The Cowboys can have Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott and and really you need both of them you need both of them to have a successful run game because you see uh the pros and cons of of each one as an individual when you put them together they're beast so again uh zeke my man get all your flowers this week you deserve it he looked so good oh my goodness it was vintage Zeke. It, it really, it was incredible to see. So I'm glad Zeke got that and maybe a little boost of, of his confidence to to look back and, and see that.
1: Well, and that's why I think that for right now, we need to kind of silence the discussion of Pollard versus Zeke, sort of like what you're talking about. I think just let the season play out. You know, I think that the, the Cowboys, they are saying what they said, uh, or they're doing what they said Uh, like they mentioned back in Oxnard is that they want to be a run first offense. And they're certainly doing that. They're putting an emphasis on, on running the ball and the drive where Zeke scored the touchdown, they just kept chipping away at running the ball, running the ball. And because again, Cooper rush was struggling a little bit uh, passing. So they were like, well, listen, we need to lean on our guy. We need to lean on our vet. And that's exactly what they did. So I do think that why have the discussion right now, just keep it going see how it goes. It definitely had a lot of success on Sunday, um, you know, going against a very difficult Eagles front. And that's the one thing that we have to remember, too, is that that Eagles front is very dominant um, against the run in the second half. The team played a lot better. So Jess, I mean, I have to agree. Our top 10, it might not have lined up as well as it did last week, uh, but we definitely, I think, hit one and two. Uh, Those are are the two best guys, uh, I think, from the game.
3: Anytime we can have a week where we silence the Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott controversy, sign me up. Please sign me up because I that is just something that I'm so tired of hearing. And, and oh, man, I, I think you know because you talk to me a lot about this is how frustrating it is. And, and you see both of them hold importance within this team. So, yeah, given all the flowers to Zeke this week, it was cool to, um, to be able to watch him be Zeke. I, I mean – Anytime Zeke's going to eat yardage, please sign me up for that. I I love it. So I'm glad our our top two matched up because there was really no better option for our top two this week.
1: Well, and we might have a uh, new name appear, depending on what happens against the Lions on Sunday with uh, number four coming back. Hopefully he's higher than four on the ranking. But it seems like by all accounts, um, and we could touch on this really quick before we close out, uh, because you were there today. Does it seem like that Prescott's leaning towards playing this weekend?
3: So what it seems like is medically, he's going to hopefully be cleared, uh, since we're recording this on Monday night on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so once that medical clearance is there, then he pretty much has a full go to participate in practice. And as you'll recall, I mean, Mike McCarthy has mentioned something that they wanted to make sure to emphasize was a full week of practice. And, and Dak can very well get that if he's medically cleared uh, on Tuesday. So later today, when, when y'all are listening to this, that'll be something to keep an eye on because if Dak is medically cleared, he has the full go for practice. That is so important. Mike McCarthy did say in his press conference, Dak took the next step. Either way. So um, very, very positive news to hear. And especially after, I think, the way... This game ended, uh, and and with Cooper Rush, I think Rush Hour is officially done. The sun has set on the Cooper Rush era, which, you know, it, it there had to come a time, and and I'm not uh, I'm not sad about that. I I just really am sad that it, it ended the way it did for Cooper Rush because I don't want it to minimize how he kept the team afloat. But um, to answer your question, I, I think it's still to be determined. I think it's officially it's unofficially official. That that Dak will be in on Sunday, and if not this Sunday, then it looks like absolutely the Bears game.
1: As we're closing it out, of course, you know you can follow me as always on Twitter at, at Brandon is right, and actually too to mention, um, we started a mailbag at Blogging the Boys, so uh, please be sure to drop your questions uh, if you follow the tweet uh, or if you follow Blogging the Boys, you can find the tweet, drop your question in there. Uh, me and Mike Poland will we'll answer any question or as many questions as we can. So please do that. Um, and Jess, where can all these lovely listeners follow you as well?
3: Follow me on Twitter as well. Jess Navarez underscore on Twitter. Um, if you're hearing this, I'm hoping you heard the daily show right before this, uh, and please partake in trivia Tuesday. It is trivia Tuesday. And, uh, I have a really good trivia question that, uh, you have to listen to the daily show to find out what it is and tweet me if you think, you know, so, uh, Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm always tweeting something. This week it might be a little more Taylor Swift heavy considering she has a new album dropping. But uh, I promise I talk Cowboys too.
1: Guys, thank you for always listening to The Writer's Block. And hopefully next week we'll be a little bit more positive uh, coming off of a win, hopefully, against the Lions. Uh, So for Jess Navarez, I'm Brandon Laurie. We will talk to you guys next week on The Writer's Block.